Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will use this city as a tool of witness in the lives of those who are struggling to live godly for you. I pray that it will bring deliverance and set the captive free. Lord, as it goes beyond the prison walls, the highway and byways, that it will compel those to come unto you. Lord, those that are struggling, that they'll begin to live victoriously. And Lord, when that race is over and it is all finished, Lord, they can come unto you and you will say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. Take your Bibles and open them up, if you would, to the book of Exodus, Exodus, the 14th chapter, verse 12 through 16, and then also Philippians 3, 13 and 14. In the book of Exodus, the 14th chapter, verses 12 through 19, it reads, is not this the word? that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Verse 13, and Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I need to reiterate that what they were told to do in the midst of their dilemma, he said to fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which we will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Verse 14, the Lord shall fight for you. I said the Lord shall fight for you. And ye shall hold your peace. That's all you got to do in the midst of the battle. Verse 15, and the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they may go Forward. Everybody say go forward. go forward. And verse 16, but lift thou up thy rod and stretch it out with thy hands over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. In the New Testament, Philippians 3, 13 through 14, Paul is addressing the Philippian church, the church there in Philippi. He said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Eternal God, once again, we are ever so grateful and thankful to you. And we realize, God, that it's in you that we live, move, and have our very being. And you assembled us here together, Lord, for a purpose today. 
that we might hear a word that will forever revolutionize and change our life, change our way of thinking. So Lord, help us today not to just be a hearer of the word, but help us to be a doer of it. Now, Lord, your servant, I humbly, Lord, submit that I can do nothing without you. So, Lord, please lend me thy anointing because it's through your anointed word that hearts will be convicted, minds change, and souls, Lord, delivered. And when all of these things are said and done, somebody repents today, somebody's baptized in your name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, we'll remember to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Let everyone say in Jesus' name. Now, before you're seated, I would like to invite your attention back for a moment to Exodus, the 13th, 14th chapter, and I'll just ask you to look at verse number 15 and 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me, speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward, but lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thy hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. I want to invite your attention to the latter part of verse number 15. Speak thou unto the children of Israel that they may go forward. I want to minister to you in the remaining time that I have from this thought. Moving forward. Moving forward forward. Tell that person next to you, say, don't look back. You're not going that way. God bless you. You may be seated. Moving forward. Literally, this word today is applicable to where we are as a people, as a nation, even as a world. I know it's almost like a buzzword when you hear move forward. It's like something that they just say in a cliche. We're going to move forward. But let me tell you the significance of moving because moving has everything to do with motion and action. And forward has something to do with looking to the future. Anybody was excited when we moved into 2021? When we left 2020, we were excited because what we were doing was we're about to move forward. And now we're here and, and we still see that we have some of the same situations that we had in 2020. Well, somebody needs to be confident this morning that we're going to still move forward. <laughs> Hallelujah. Moving forward is to cause or to compel someone or something to advance in position or progress. Nothing of positive significant happens without movement. Somebody say it takes motion. You see, because movement is action, it's, it's motion, it's progress, it's advancement. And as we look in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, uh, the book of the beginnings, as we know it as, it says, in the beginning, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The spirit of God moved and things began to happen. Somebody say it, it begins to happen when God's moving. 
Mm -hmm. When we began to realize what power we have, when we release into the atmosphere words that the enemy can't even understand. And I, I'm speaking, I'm talking about speaking in tongues now. You confound him, you baffle him, because he has no idea what you're saying, but you're speaking. You're releasing into the atmosphere the things that you want God to see. Because, see, when the Spirit of God moved on things, things began to happen. However, lack of movement speaks of stagnation and death. When the heart stops moving, palpitating, beating, when the heart stops moving, death is close behind. When we stop moving spiritually, death is close behind. If you would look in the book of Numbers, in Numbers the 13th chapter, just to give you a little backdrop, Moses begins to say, we need to look out of all of these 10 tribes, the 12 tribes, and we need to pick out one person per tribe, and I've got an assignment for them. I want them to go in, and it's a military term, but I want them to do some reconnaissance. I, I want them to begin to seek out some things. And so he sent these men. In the 13th chapter of Numbers, in verse 34, the people said, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. In other words, their families were full of giants. Everybody stood tall they come from that family and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers and so we were in their sight you see my brothers and sisters you got to look at the mindset of these people this mindset was of 10 out of the 12 that were sent by Moses to spy out the promised land However, two, somebody say two. That's all it takes. The Bible said where two or three are gathered in my name, there I shall be in the midst. It says where two or three agree on touching on anything here on earth, it'll be settled in heaven. So all God needs is at least two folk that's going to really take the word seriously. But out of these 12, only two, and their names were Joshua and Caleb. Only two, Joshua and Caleb, brought back the report that we should go forth. In other words, my brothers and sisters, move forward and take the land. See, the others, they were faint-hearted. Their mindset was, wait a minute now, are you looking and seeing what I'm seeing? There's some giants out there. I want to tell somebody today, if you want to eat the grapes, you got to fight the giants. They were going to go into a strange land and bring back fruit, big old giant grapes, vines that it took two people to carry as proof of what good was in that land. But in order to get the grapes, to eat the grapes, you got to fight some giants. But they came back with this negative report. But the majority of them described themselves as grasshoppers. That's how they viewed themselves. Because the giants never did see them. Anybody know anything about reconnaissance? One of the first things you want to make sure is you have cover and concealment. You want to make sure the enemy doesn't see you. So how did they come up with they see us as grasshoppers? 
They never did see them. So they couldn't make that claim. Because it was because of their low self-esteem that they viewed themselves as being grasshoppers. Nobody else. They even entertain the thought of returning back to Egypt. That's what happens a lot of times when saints get discouraged and they feel like, what's the use? They go back into the world. They go back into the things that they once were involved in. I'll tell you like Proverbs, you're like a dog returning to his vomit. Somebody say, yeah, that's nasty. Well, then you nasty. Because you're going right back in the sin that God delivered you out of, and now you're preoccupying that space again. So they, they, they entertained, well, maybe it wasn't so bad in Egypt. Let's go back to the place that we formerly were slaves. And oftentimes we say things that we think other people are saying about us, feel about us, when in fact, that's not how it really is. That's how we view ourselves. You've got to start believing and start speaking this. I I'm trying to help somebody this morning. You've got to start believing and speaking some things like, I am who God said I am. <laughs> Forget about your two cents. But it's what God said that I am. Who God says that I am. Now, I know it's hard to move forward when you don't even know who you are. Or worse yet, whose you are. God tells us in 1 Peter 2 and 9, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. See, one thing about peculiar people, they look different than everybody else. They dress different than everybody else. They talk different than everybody else. And how do you know? Because that makes them peculiar. He said that you are going to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Romans 8 and 37 says, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Galatians 4 and 6 says, ye are the sons of God. And then Galatians 4 and 7 turns around and says, I am no longer a slave, but a son and an heir. Anybody excited to be an heir? Yeah. Hallelujah. In Psalms 139 and 14 says, this, this is why I will, I will praise thee. Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 it says, I'm a new creature in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And in John 8 and 36, I am set free. He whom the Son is set free is free in. Talk back to me. When Christ delivered you, he sets you free. And 1 Peter 1 and 5 says, I am kept by the power of God. Anybody walking in that right there? I, I don't care what's around me. I'm kept by the power of God. Hallelujah. You see, the children of Israel were free physically, but they still had a slave mentality. Physically, no more chains bounding. But mentally, Oh, they were still, yes, sir, fleas that usually 
are found on animals, and particularly dogs. If you were to catch fleas and put them in a glass jar, a flea has the propensity to jump four and five feet in the air. But once you capture them and you put that lid on them, they keep on trying to leap up. And it's to no avail because there is a lid containing them. But watch this. After a while, you would hear that thump, 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 thump. But then, all of a sudden, if you go to the jar, and literally you're releasing them, you're, you're giving them an opportunity to get out, to be set free, and you open up that jar lid and you take it off. My brothers and sisters, guests and visitors, it is sad to say they will not try to leap anymore. When now they have the capacity they have the ability because they can jump anywhere from two to three feet in the air. But what's happened? That slave mentality has set in. If we look back at Exodus 14, 15 through 16, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. He said, don't cry out to me. You need to talk to the children of Israel and tell them I've plotted the course. I'm going to navigate their footsteps. But it's their responsibility to put one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, and move forward. Then he says, but lift up thy rod and stretch, thy, and stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. At this point in this place in the scripture is where we find Pharaoh hot and heavy on the tail of the Israelites. Because don't forget now, uh, Moses had came to Pharaoh so many times, said, let my people go, let my people go, and he refused. And finally he said, go ahead, leave, get out of here. And after he let the slaves go, something must have registered. What did I just do? No, I don't have anybody to serve me. So they hooked up the chariots and the horses, and now they're in hot pursuit. So that's where we find them now in the scripture. Pharaoh's army is right behind the children of Israel, and what's in front of them is the Red Sea. And to the left and to the right are mountains. Somebody say they're in a situation. <laughs> I like to call it a dilemma. Because see, in a dilemma, it's like, there's no way out. Where do I go from here? So that's where we find them at. It's at this crucial moment in time that they would see God work yet another miracle to add to the man, to the ones that he's already performed before their very eyes while in Egypt's bondage. But this miracle or the other did not cause them to stop seeing themselves in God as inadequate to deal with their problems. Let me pause right here. Somebody say, Pastor, that's good. I know you're telling me in the Bible. Well, let's move up here to the 21st century. How many times have God delivered you how many times has God brought you up and out? 
How many times has he made a way out? Am I in the right church? Is this a, wait, wait a minute, then. I, I thought I had at least a one or two, maybe three or four that would be able to touch and agree and say, that's me. But see, I, I want to draw you in. Well, if that's the case, what about now? If he did it back then, he could do it now. I'm trying to look everybody in their face right about now. That, but now they, they took even this particular miracle and instead of it building their faith, they treated God as though he was inadequate to deal with their problems. Tell that person next to you it's time to move forward. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I say it's time to move forward. It's time to move forward from that feeling of being inadequate or worse yet, that this situation you find yourself in is too, T-O-O, -O, much for God to handle. My brothers and sisters, guests and visitors, need I remind you that the Bible said I can do what? Not what? Talk back to me. I can do all things. How do we do it? Through Christ. That's where our strength lies from. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And let me ask you this. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? <laughs> well, we're asked that in the scripture. Then when we look at Acts 17 and 28, it says, For in him we live, move, and have our very being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Somebody say, I belong to Christ. But let me tell you this, and nothing of significance will happen until you know who you are and whose you are. Somebody turn around and say, I'm a king's kid. <laughs> See, being a king's kid has a lot of benefits. And one of the perks of being a king's kid is that he's able to keep you from falling and present you spotless. Oh, I wish I had me somebody to believe that right there. Once you understand nothing of significance can happen until you understand who you are and even more so whose you are. And then start moving forward in the direction God has ordained for your life. How many of you know that your steps are ordered by the Lord? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For the Lord is with me. My steps are ordered by the Lord. God seems to use things that are relatively meaningless to confound those that seem so significant. Remember Moses at the burning bush? He has this encounter with God. The thing that got his attention was the fact that this bush was burning, but not so much. It was that it was not consumed. Anybody ever watch a fire? At some point in time, it goes out. <laughs> well, can you imagine Moses on the backside of the desert 
watching a burning bush and said, right about now, it should be going out. Let me go on with my business. Wait a minute. It's still burning. I get a little bit of time. What got his attention was the fact that the bush never stopped burning. I'm trying to help somebody right now. Somebody's going to be saved because you never stopped burning for Jesus. You never, 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 never lost your illumination. You never lost your drawing power. So we remember that account. And God tells Moses he had a stick in his hand. And how many of you know Moses' rod was just a stick? until he gave it to God at that burning bush. He cast it down because the Lord says, well, what's that you have in your hand? He said, a rod. He said, well, cast it down. And when he cast it down, when God told him to cast it down, it became a serpent, a snake. <laughs> Can you imagine? You, had, you know this is your rod. You throw it down, and now it's a snake. Somebody said he was obedient. And then God says to him, now pick it up. Pick it up from the tail. Now, see, this is where you have to learn to pay detail, pay attention to detail instructions. I truly believe if Moses had been really cocky and said, I don't want to pick it up however I want, and he picked it up by the mouth, it would have bit him. God knew that. So he said, listen, pick it up by the tail. And once he picked it up, it was changed. The shepherd's rod, in a sense, it represents his livelihood, the way he makes his income. It was the tool in, in which he used to protect himself and the flock of sheep that he had. When God told him to throw it down, it was a test. Somebody say test. Yeah. It was a test of his trust. And instead of obeying God, you know what he could have done? He could have said, now, wait a minute, Lord. Now, suppose when I throw this rod down, an animal comes. Then I had nothing to protect myself. He says, oh, I think that's a good idea to do it, to throw it on the ground. I better keep it in my hand. But something special happens when we surrender to what we think is so important to our God. God changed Moses' rod into a serpent. And sometimes when we turn things over to God, they may seem to get worse rather than better. Can I get somebody to say, I need some real folk here today. Facebook, help me out. YouTube, help me out. Have you ever said, I'm going to give it to Jesus? And as soon as you did, things started. Things like things that got just worse other than better. Mm-mm-mm. You remember when Joseph knew he would be a ruler? Things got worse before he realized his dream. Hello. When Jesus cast out the demons out of that man's son, the child got worse before he was delivered. Things may seem to get worse in your life when you decide to totally trust Jesus. But I've got some words. Don't get discouraged. Keep on moving. Keep on moving forward. One foot in front of the other. Keep on moving forward. God will come through. I 
right. I said it. God will come through. When Moses picked up the serpent, it turned back into a rod. But it was not the same rod as before. You see, the rod he threw down was good for protecting him and the sheep. But the rod he picked up would be used to perform miracles, emancipate a nation from slavery, and then part the Red Sea. Oh, my God. We ought to praise God right there. That's what he wants to do. He wants to part some Red Seas in your life. But will you allow him? You see, whatever you give to God, he can change it. And he can give it back to you with an anointing and a power. Anybody believe that? Y'all can say that I'm good, fair, can't play. But wherever you find me at on that scale, I want you to know I wasn't always there. I wasn't always the musician that you see today. I thought I had nothing to offer God, nothing at all that could make a difference in the kingdom. So I didn't want to play for him. I really didn't. I, I, I was a secular musician before I got saved. When I got saved, I was ready to pack that up and put it aside. But God showed me, I never forget, in a dream, a van pulling up to the house and taking my guitar. And I remember they were pulling the door shut and had my guitar. I said, oh, wait a minute. Ho, oh, oh. ho. And from that day forward, nobody had to ask Brother Haynes to bring his guitar to church. I was there hooked up ready. What we playing? But because see, after a while, what God did, he took what I thought was insignificant and he took it and he anointed it. There are times I'm telling you, I zone out. I'm not hearing y'all. I'm not listening to y'all. I'm playing it to the Lord. And there's an anointing that comes about. A power that comes from God. You see, God used something of seemingly insignificant, simply a shepherd's rod to deliver a nation from slavery. You may think right while you're sitting there today that you're, you're insignificant. What can I do? Kind of remind me of that little lad. Jesus' disciples came to him and says, Master, listen, we got all these folk out here and we, we don't have enough to feed them with. Jesus told them to sit them down in certain numbers and companies. The count was about three or 5,000 people, not counting women and children. And Jesus said, well, what do you have? He said, we got a little lad here, modern day vernacular. He had got, he, he's got a happy meal. He's going to share it with us. Two loaves and some fish. The Lord said, this is all he had. But little becomes much when you place it in the master's hand. And he prayed over it. And as he prayed over it, he dispersed it. And if I'm not mistaken, anywhere between 13 and 17 baskets full of food after everyone had eaten. So what you think is insignificant to you, little becomes much when you just give it to God, when you put it in his hands. But you're saying there, but... Well, what can I give? What do I have to give? 
I'm so insignificant. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, you are not insignificant. Stop thinking you're insignificant, that God can't use you. And some of us, we do. We have a checkered past. Hello. <laughs> Everybody that's sitting in here has a checkered past. Oh, okay. Y'all ain't never sinned before? And some since you've been saved. Oh, I'm, I'm going to get real quiet in this apostolic tongue-talking church. I want, I want people to know that God delivers and he saves. But we still have struggles and we still have battles. And some of that is why we think we can't be used because of our past. But how many of you know when we truly repent and we turn away from that, that, sir, that man makes you eligible. So no, you're not significant, insignificant, but you're significant. But, you, but what you have, literally, is exactly what God needs to accomplish his work in the earth and for his kingdom. Just like the scripture says, and, and I'll close with it. In Philippians 13. And as you, you look back at that scripture with me, Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Uh, Paul is somebody that I, I highly esteem in the gospel because of the things that he was able to accomplish in his time here on earth. And Paul wasn't always the Paul that we know. He was before Paul, he was who? Saul, Saul of Tarsus, somebody that had no good on his mind when it came to the ministry because he thought he was doing the will of the Lord, going from city to city, persecuting the church. But I want to close with this. In Philippians 3, 13 and 14, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't arrived yet. I know some of y'all looking at the works that I've done. I've written about 13 epistles, and the list goes on. He said, but I haven't apprehended. I have not arrived yet brother I cannot I cannot say that I, I've arrived in myself but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind somebody say my past is my past so would you please leave it there <laughs> Paul said, I done forgot about all of that stuff I used to do. Don't come up to me. Hey, man, remember we used to hang out? Man, remember we used to blow this? And... No. That was then and this is now. I'm a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm not that man anymore. So he says, I'm not apprehended. But this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. You see, some of you don't realize how much you are close to what God has for you. We like to say a blessing, but, but let me move beyond a blessing. I hope and pray that somebody really is seeking eternal life in this place today. I hope somebody realizes that if the Lord should come right at this moment, you would die and go to hell. That's an eerie thought. That's spooky. Ooh. But it's real. Because if we don't know the Lord and the parting of our sins, 
if we've never come to an altar and repented of a lifestyle of sin, one that he's died for, that, hey, let, me, let me say this real quickly. Sir, ma'am, if you go to hell, it's your own fault. It'll be your fault because he's left too many provisions. He's left too many ways of escape for you to have to burn, baby, burn. I love what Paul says. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I'm here to tell you, your future is so bright, you're going to need some sunglasses. <laughs> I said, your future is so bright, you can't even see it. And verse 14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Notice he says, I press. That's motion. That's advancement. That's progress. I press toward the mark. Stop settling beneath your privileges. You are king's kids. But Satan wants to make you think that you're defeated, that you're a pauper, when he knows himself that you're children of the king. So lift up your voice. And begin to bless the Lord. Come, can I get somebody right now just to praise him? I will press toward the mark. You see, there's this mark that I want to reach, and I can't reach it hanging around in some negative places and around some negative people. Hello, it's time to cut bait. There's a reason why they call it the crab mentality. People see you getting out of that and they try to pull you right back down. They know you're trying to live for God. If they're your friend, why would they try to entice you to do stuff that they know is contrary to the word? But you gotta press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If you don't leave here with this message in your heart and in your mind, I want you to leave with this thought. Jesus loves you. This I know, because the Bible tells me so. Little ones, to him you belong. We may be weak, but in him we are strong. Can I get you to stand? Father, I gotta give you thanks because Lord, everything that you have done I didn't look at the now I thank you Lord for the release of every chain everywhere I go God I gotta give you praise because you have heard my cry we have been smothered by the grace of God and it has brought us joy therefore Lord, we was able to make a joyful noise in this city we have learned to forgive and with that in mind God I just can't stop praising you in the name of Jesus we give you praise